Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Olivia DeBercier. And I'm Sophia Osborne. And if you'd like to support the show while also getting some cute stickers and postcards, check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site. Now this week, Sophia is going to tell us about the acorn barnacle. So this was a suggestion from at Zoe the Curious on Instagram. So thanks for the suggestion, Zoe. And we're big fans of barnacles, so we're really excited to talk about this one. Yeah, I love to talk about anything in the Pacific Northwest, as you know, and I feel like I see barnacles just so often. And But I, I didn't know like a ton about them before researching for this episode, so. Yeah, like if you don't really pay attention to them, they really blend in with the rocks and whatever they're attached to. So I'm excited to hear about all the like organismal facts about them. So if you bring an acorn barnacle to Blathers, he'll say, do not mistake the acorn barnacle for a relative of the clam. Tut tut. Mollusks they are not. Barnacles are cousins to crabs and lobsters, you see. Though the family resemblance is hard to spot, acorn barnacles may also seem to live a stationary life, what with being attached to rocks and such. But truth be told, baby barnacles are avid travelers, drifting shellless about the sea before settling down. Once they find a good rock to affix themselves to, they float free no more, which begs the question, do adult acorn barnacles ever look out across the open sea and long for youthful adventure once more? I really like that one. Yeah, (laughs) that was like a prose poem, basically. It really was. It's a short story. Very pretty. And he's definitely right about all of it. And that's a lot of the barnacle facts. So we'll get into them more for sure. It really reminds me of like a Katy Perry, like, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? (laughs) Do you ever feel like a barnacle? (laughs) Longing for youthful adventure. (laughs) That's great. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know, you might be thinking like, barnacles really isn't this going to be a super boring episode but i just want to open by saying that blathers failed to mention the craziest fact about acorn barnacles they have the longest penises relative to body size of any animal in the world so yeah that is so weird (laughs) out of all the records to hold this is a great one i think (laughs) so i hope that this has intrigued you sufficiently now because i'll explain more about why they have such long penises in a bit (laughs) yeah blathers really missed the elephant in the room there yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah first we should probably talk about the basics before we talk about penises of course so just a quick bit about taxonomy it's a bit confusing because acorn barnacle is a common name referring to an order of barnacles And this is the most common order, the Cecilia, which includes about 900 different species of barnacles. And the thing that sort of defines this order is that acorn barnacles attach themselves straight to the substrate, which is usually rocks. And this is different from the other order of barnacles called pedunculata, which have a stalk that they use to attach to the substrate. But to make this confusing, there's also a specific species called the acorn barnacle. So it's one species in a larger group of species that have the same common name, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that that's understandable. Cool. Yeah, so if you've ever walked along an intertidal zone in the North Pacific or Atlantic, you've probably seen acorn barnacles. 
You may have even heard them going like crunch, crunch under your shoes, <laughs> although you should really try to avoid <laughs> stepping on them if you can, because as we're about to establish, they're living, breathing animals and not rocks or calcified growths or something. Like people kind of call them living rocks sometimes, but but also they can be really hard to avoid. As we'll get into, they're, they're really abundant. Yeah, I always feel really guilty. I like hear them and I hear little snails you're crunching on and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> like trying not to step on them. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm destroying your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you built. So when I think of barnacles, I always think of like a little white dome sitting on a rocky shoreline. But what you see is actually just the barnacle's shell. So the actual animal is a little arthropod that lives inside this calcified shell. And like Blathers said, this arthropod is a crustacean. So imagine a little arthropod guy standing upside down in a little cone, using its legs to funnel food into its mouth. That's what an acorn barnacle is sort of like on the inside. I don't know, I think it's really cute. That is really cute. I... It's, it blows my mind that it's a little arthropod, like a little bug inside there, and it's never going to move. It's just going to stay in place for its whole adult life, kind of like a little plant type thing, but not at all. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, it does stay there, and so the adults attach themselves to the rocks using cement glands at the base of the first pair of their antenna. Whoa. So they actually have, like, cement glands that produce this really, really strong glue that's hard to dissolve, and that will stay glued on for a long time after the barnacle has died. Whoa! So they have, like, a built-in super glue. Yeah, exactly. And And it glues them upside down. I'm just thinking about how, like uncomfortable it would be to just be stuck upside down but I guess they're used to it and that's all they know but yeah so once the adult acorn barnacles attach they grow a white calcified shell around themselves and this is the part that we see so it's made up of six plates with a hole in the top that they use to feed and they can seal up this hole to protect themselves from predators and importantly to trap water inside because they do live in this intertidal zone so you know, the tide's coming in and out, and when it's out and they're exposed to the air, they need to be able to survive for pretty long periods of time without drying up. Interesting. So it's kind of like a little door that they open and close when they need to. Yeah, it's like a little valve thing. Like, it almost looks like a little, I don't know, flower opening and closing or something. Like, not that much, but just like a little bud opening and closing. It looks like a little, like, turtleneck or something that, like, scrunches up. (laughs) Like, it's like a little, just a little hole, but it can kind of shrink and open. But anyway, they can they can open and close this to protect themselves from predators and to keep water inside. So yeah, but another cool thing about acorn barnacles are their legs. They're modified into these long, feathery tendrils that the barnacles can stick up through the hole in their shell, and then they filter feed plankton and other little particles from the water and, like, grab them and bring them down to their mouth. I was going to say, it reminds me of when you're standing outside and you're like trying to catch raindrops on your mouth and you keep sticking your tongue out. That's what it looks like when they've got their little modified feet sticking out to catch all the plankton. Yeah, it's really cute and it's very hypnotic and fun to watch. And they actually also use these legs to absorb oxygen because they don't have any gills, which is pretty cool too. Yeah, I just, I find them so pretty. Like they're just very pretty feathery legs 
And I watched this recording of a live stream of an acorn barnacle from Monterey Bay Aquarium. And it was just very peaceful just watching it. And they also were able to like change the water current and see how it reacted to that and everything. So I'd recommend checking that out. And just in general, like the Monterey Bay Aquarium YouTube has a lot of really cool live streams like every day like jellyfish and penguins and sharks and stuff. I love that. That's going to be my new study break from now on. Yeah. (laughs) They play really fun music in the background too. Like the jellyfish one is like this peaceful, beautiful music. And then the penguin one is like this really funny music. (laughs) And the penguins are like looking at each other. (laughs) It's really cute. Well, okay. I'm going to have to check that out. So back to the barnacles though. You mentioned before you see them on the West Coast and stuff. Can you find them all over the coast? Like, are they everywhere in the world? Or are there just certain spots that you find them? Because to me, they're a very common creature. Yeah, they're definitely really common in the northern hemisphere. So anywhere in the North Pacific and Atlantic, you can find them. But what's interesting is they do have a pretty specific range in terms of where you find them in the intertidal zones. So acorn barnacles can be incredibly dense. They can reach population densities of 70,000 acorn barnacles per square meter, which is mind-blowing. They do have to compete with other types of barnacles, as well as with other animals like mussels and anemones. It's interesting how all of these different species compete with each other and how that creates this like stratification in the intertidal zones. So yeah, it, it makes these like bands of different species of barnacle as you move up and down the tidal zones because each species of barnacle is specifically adapted to a different tidal height so they'll be able to compete best at that height. Oh that is really cool. Yeah I know I didn't know about that before. So for the acorn barnacle they're most common in the upper mid intertidal zone and scientists think they're most successful there because they're able to absorb oxygen from both the water and air. So for example with a lot of mussels, you'll find them lower down in the intertidal zone because they can't last as long without water, whereas the acorn barnacles can last longer. But then you find that other types of barnacles will outcompete them above and below that upper mid zone. And then interestingly, it was noted that you'll often find blue mussels hanging out in the same zone as acorn barnacles. So I guess they're like, are similarly adapted, but I also just like to think that they're friends. (laughs) (laughs) They're little buddies. Yeah. Little sidekicks. And then, of course, when you think of barnacles, you also probably think of barnacles on things like whales, turtles, ships, buoys, logs, kind of wherever. And so that is true that they can hang on to lots of different things. And a lot of times with animals like whales, there'll be specific species of barnacles that are specific for that species of whale, which is pretty cool. But then... I'll talk about this a bit more later, but this can cause issues, just sort of the prolificness of barnacles and how they can sort of latch on and cement themselves to anything. But these ones that are in the open ocean, it's interesting because I've seen it described as like, you know, they, they can hang on and they, they've got this beautiful view and they're moving around the world and they're just like <laughs> filtering out <laughs> their food. So it seems like a fun life. They're just really living that like Instagrammable travel life. Just... <laughs> seeing the world wherever the current takes them that's where they go they've got that wanderlust <laughs> wanderlust <laughs> exactly i think we should make like an instagram account for a barnacle with the like <laughs> slanty writing that i can't figure out how to get on instagram that just says wanderlust 
and then like a really corny quote like do you ever feel like a barnacle drifting through <laughs> the wind drifting through the ocean yeah wanting to start again <laughs> So, okay, you, you mentioned that. I mean, you can find them basically anywhere. So I imagine there's got to be something out there that eats them. Like, but what would eat them? Like, what can get through that thick shell? Yeah, it's interesting because the shell is definitely great protection, but they do still have lots of predators who can break through the shell and just, you know, eat the yummy little anthropod guy that's inside. So there are snails and whelks that can drill through the shell, which is pretty cool. And there are also different species of sea stars that can move the plates of the shell apart, and then they stick their whole stomachs into the openings and digest (laughs) them. Yeah, very cool. That's something I want to see a BBC Earth slow-mo of. Or not slow-mo. Was it the opposite? When they make it really fast and start oh, yeah. like, <laughs> gliding over the surfaces? That's really cool. Yeah, I had no idea. And hopefully we'll do sea stars in the future because I love sea stars, although they are creepy. Mm-hmm. They are a little bit creepy. We'll have to talk about them. Yeah, and I also read that oyster catchers come after them sometimes too. And they have this really long orange beak that I love like they're my favorite birds and people describe them as crows smoking a carrot which is just my favorite (laughs) but yeah apparently they put that beak to good use and get barnacles sometimes that's impressive because to me their beaks seem so like thick it looks like it would be hard to get into a really tiny barnacle but that's really cool like maybe there's really big barnacles out there Mm-hmm. There are, there's like, there is a species called the giant acorn barnacle, but I don't know, maybe the oyster catchers are able to tear up the shell or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just saw that mentioned and thought it was cool. And I don't know if there's other birds that are eating barnacles as well. I imagine there would be if oyster catchers can get in there. Totally. And like you said, they're so abundant that, you know, if you can crack it, then they make a great prey and they're not going to escape from you. Yeah, what are they going to do? They'll just, like, their little feathered feet hitting your face. (laughs) Sounds kind of pleasant. Okay, so getting back to what we were talking about earlier with their world record-holding penis, how, what, why? Why do they have that? How are they reproducing? Yeah, so, like I said, this is maybe the coolest thing about acorn barnacles. So their reproduction is really interesting. It's, It's not just cloning or anything. Adult acorn barnacles are hermaphroditic, so that means that they have both female and male reproductive parts. But they can't self-fertilize. They have to mate with other barnacles through internal fertilization, like most other crustaceans. But, as we've talked about, these barnacles are cemented down in place, so they can't, like, move around and climb on top of each other or something. (laughs) So how do they do it? The extremely long penises... So then the question (laughs) becomes, how long is it? Yeah, so their body size is usually no bigger than 1.25 centimeters or half an inch long, but their penises can be up to three inches or seven and a half centimeters long. So that's six times the length of their body, which is a lot. (laughs) That is definitely a lot. And so since the penises are so long, they can use them to deposit sperm in other barnacles. But this does mean that if there's two neighboring barnacles that are more than three inches away from each other, they won't be able to reproduce together. And then the craziest thing, potentially, is that 
their penises dissolve at the end of the mating season and then grow back each year. What? So yeah. they're like antlers. They just yeah. like fall <laughs> off. Why? Oh, I guess it's like really big and maybe there's not much room in their little their yeah. little barnacle shell. It's crazy and I don't know. I've never said penises so much in my life and I'm sorry to everyone <laughs> out there. That's this is crazy though. Like I guess it kind of reminds me of plants though in the sense that they are reproducing like they're all hermaphroditic but they're like wanting to reproduce with separate individuals. You can tell I'm studying for my plant science final right now because I've got plants <laughs> on the mind, which is never the case with me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird one to see with, with an arthropod. Although I do think we've covered a lot of hermaphroditic arthropods in this podcast, but it's interesting that the, they're not cloning themselves. I don't know. I thought it was interesting because I guess because they're crustaceans, they wouldn't do this, but I kind of assumed that they would reproduce more like ferns or something and just sort of send out sperm and eggs you know into the water and like because there's so many barnacles all together so you would think that they could just kind of all get mixed up and fertilize and everything but but no it's it's like a really deliberate actual mating process which is cool yeah that is interesting you think with any sort of waterborne creature that's how they reproduce but Wow, barnacles just keep surprising us. And like Blathers said, they have a really cool life cycle too. So once the eggs hatch, the barnacle larvae do float free. So they're just like their little arthropod larva cells. And they actually have two larval stages. The first is called anopleus. And in this stage, they look like a little plankton. And they float around eating and hanging out. They're not really like concerned with finding a spot to live or anything they're just they're just doing their thing and then they move through a few like sub stages during that stage but then once they reach the second major stage which is called a cyprid in that stage they don't eat they use their antennae to feel around on surfaces and try to find a suitable place to anchor down for their adulthood and to build their shell and stuff and interestingly they can smell where other barnacles are and then they can figure out like, oh, this is a good barnacle spot where there are lots of other barnacles. Oh, so that's how they all end up in sort of the same area. Because I was wondering that if you've got a bunch of free-floating barnacles, how do they all end up almost, well, in colonies? But that's, yeah, a really good sense of smell. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's very cool. So in terms of barnacle conservation, is there anything that we're worried about for them? I mean, beyond me walking around in tide pools and crushing them with my boot, what are some of the conservation problems that they're facing? Yeah, definitely. So it's funny because I feel like a lot of times we talk about animals that are really facing a lot of conservation issues and, you know, the issue is that there's not enough of them and everything. But with barnacles, it's more of an issue with how many there are. So they're really abundant. They're, they're definitely not at risk of going extinct or anything. And yeah, like you said, pretty much the only thing you need to worry about is just trying not to step on them. But yeah, there are a couple like conservation-related issues worth talking about with them. Although it's not really about the barnacles themselves that we're trying to protect. So one issue is that barnacles will often attach to the hulls of ships. And this can actually be a really huge problem. So in less than two years... 10 tons of barnacles can become attached to a tanker, and this can cause enough drag to increase fuel consumption by 40%. 
Holy smokes. Yeah, and <laughs> this is a huge, huge issue, obviously, like, with the amount of shipping that we have, and then to have all these ships, you know, consuming even more fuel, not good. And all because of barnacles, these tiny yeah. little crustaceans. And then, like we said earlier, it's it's really hard to remove barnacles because of this natural cement they have going on. So yeah, that's that's an interesting <laughs> problem that they create. And another big issue is that barnacle larvae will float around in the ballast water on ships and then be transported all over the world. And this can cause invasive species. So wow, fun. <laughs> it's all shipping related, but <laughs> yeah, shipping shipping facts for you today. Well, that's a big problem. Yeah, totally. I'm not sure what, you know, the solutions for that are. It's so hard with these animals that are so, so tiny that are in the water. I mean, how are you really even supposed to know if there's, like, tiny barnacle larvae? Yeah, like, how do you eradicate that? (laughs) When they literally just, like, all are reproducing with each other and then spitting their babies out into the water system to just, like, be invisible (laughs) until they suddenly appear as adults, but, like, glue themselves to where they are. It's not like you can just, like, easily dig them up. I'm glad I'm not the person who has to deal with that. Yeah, and this doesn't fall under acorn barnacles, so I didn't really talk about it, but maybe in the future we could talk about some other types of barnacles if they ever get added to the game or something. But there are ones that are parasitic on crabs and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like they're not filter feeders, but they're parasites. Yeah, and there are, there's one type of barnacle that has like a really long stalk, and that's like a delicacy to eat in some places, which is pretty cool. Interesting. I've never eaten barnacle, have you? No, definitely not. I did <laughs> not realize that that there'd be enough of them to eat, but I guess when they have that long stalk. Yeah, like a muscly part or something. Mm-hmm. Well, like even large mussels, if you open them, there's like this tiny fleck of meat inside. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, this is so I do much love food. Mussels, <laughs> I think I used okay. to, and now I, I really don't like them that much. Oh. I don't know. Normally, like, goes the opposite, where like you don't like something and then it grows on you. I don't know. I think it's just the the look of a muscle. It looks a little muscly. Yeah. <laughs> looks, I'm like, why is it blue? Anyway, well, that was fascinating. Thank you so much, Sophia, for telling us all about barnacles today. I always love hearing about these weird, obscure things that you would never expect from small animals. So thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. If you're a new listener, don't forget to subscribe and follow us at at Beyond Blathers on Instagram and Twitter for updates and also like fun pictures and videos that we find related to the critters. So if you like having more animal content on your feed, I highly recommend. And if you'd like to support the show, check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site. And Christmas is coming up. So if you want some cool independent gifts, definitely check that out. Yeah, definitely check it out and tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye. Bye. Bye.